0: reading from the Bhagavad Gita, chapter four, Ascendal Knowledge, text number 10. So if anyone has it in English or in Russian or any other language, you can follow along. Sita, maybe you can let me know if I'm going too fast.
1: Lusik. Any uh Maybe go. I understand you, Guru Maharaj If you very fast, I yes.
0: say to translate this Yeah. Modna, read Okay. Okay, so I'm going to read the, uh, I say from the group work by the divine grace, AC Bhaktivedanta Swami, to the Bhagavad. Vita raga baya krodha manmaya mamupasita ahava tapasa tapasaputa magava agata Let's Switch over so when I'm leaving. It was hard to tell. Yeah. Uh, be free from attachment, fear and anger, being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me, many many persons in the past became purified by knowledge of me, unless they all attained transcendental love for me. Two brothers As described above, it is very difficult for a person, for a person who is too materially affected, to understand the personal nature of the supreme absolute truth. Generally people who are attached to the bodily concept of conception of life are so absorbed in materialism that it is almost impossible for them to understand how the Supreme can be a person. Such materialists cannot even imagine that there is a transcendental body which is imperishable, full of knowledge and eternally blissful. The materialistic concept of the body is perishable, full of ignorance and completely miserable. Therefore, people in general, keep this same bodily idea in mind when they're informed of the personal form of the Lord. For such materialistic men, the form of the gigantic material manifestation is supreme. Consequently, they consider the supreme to be impersonal and because they are too materially absorbed, The conception of retaining the personality after liberation from matter frightens them. When they're informed that spiritual life is also individual and personal, they become afraid of becoming persons again. And so they naturally prefer kind of merging into the impersonal void. Generally, they compare the living entities to the bubbles of the ocean merge into the ocean. That is the highest perfection of spiritual existence attainable without individual personality. This is a kind of fearful state of life devoid of perfect knowledge of spiritual existence. Furthermore, there are many persons who cannot understand spiritual existence at all being embarrassed by so many theories, and by contradictions of various types of philosophical speculation, they become disgusted or angry and foolishly conclude that there is no supreme cause and that ultimately every, everything is ultimately void. Such people are in a diseased condition of life. Some people are too materially attached and therefore do not give attention to spiritual life. Some of them want to merge into the supreme spiritual cause, and some of them disbelieve in everything, being angry at all sorts of spiritual speculation out of hopelessness. This last class of men take to the shelter of some kind of intoxication, and their resultant hallucinations are sometimes accepted as spiritual visions. One has to get rid of all three stages of material consciousness, attachment to material life, fear of a personal spiritual identity, and the conception of void that arises from frustration in life. Get free from these three stages of material concept of life. One has to take complete shelter of the Lord guided by the bona fide spiritual master and follow the disciplines and regular principles of devotional life. The last stage of devotional life is called bhava or Transcendental love of Godhead. <coughs> According to the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, the science of devotional service. Adal Shara Tata Svaru Sangho Tavadana Kriya Titaranartha Naritishyat Tito Nishtarutis Tita Atta Sakti Tito Bhavas In the beginning, one must have a preliminary desire for self-realization. This will bring one to the stage of trying to associate with persons who are spiritually elevated. In the next stage, one becomes initiated by an elevated spiritual master and under his instruction, the neophyte devotee begins the process of devotional service. By execution of devotional service, under the guidance of the spiritual master, one becomes free from all material attachment, gains steadiness and self-realization, and acquires a taste for hearing about the absolute personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna. This taste leads one further forward to attachment to Krishna, consciousness. Which is matured in bhava, or the preliminary state of transcendent love of God. Real love for God is called prema, the highest perfectional state of life. In the prema stage, there is constant engagement in the transcendent loving service of the Lord. So, by the slow process of devotional service, under the guidance of the bona fide spiritual master, one can attain to the highest stage, being free from all material attachment. From the fearfulness of one's individual spiritual personality and from the frustrations that result in void philosophy, that one can attain, ultimately attain to the abode of the Supreme Lord. So, the verse again Vita Raga Vaya Krodha Manmaya Mamupashitya Tapasa Agata. Being free from attachment, fear, and anger. Being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me, many many persons of the past became purified by knowledge of me, and thus they all attained transcendental love from it. This verse. No. In the previous verse, Krishna had said, Janma karma chame div yam evam yoveti tattva daha bunar. Janma naiti mam eti That's four nine. That one who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not take birth again in the mature world, but attains my transcendental abode. So this word is tattva daha. means to actually experience Krishna. The aim of the Krishna consciousness movement is not to understand Krishna theoretically. It's to actually experience him. So that we can come to the stage of bhava. Bhava means love. A love is natural. It's there in everyone's heart. And actually we're loving so many things in the material world. Especially anything that's attractive to us. We can say it's kind of love. That's what they call attraction in the material world is love. So anything which is great, we become attracted to in the material world. Whether it has beauty, or someone's very intelligent, or someone is very strong, or someone is very wealthy, or someone is very famous, or someone is very renounced, we naturally develop some attraction, a kind of love for them. For Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita, in the chapter ten, verse number eight. He says, sava Pravo Mataksaram Pravartate Hiti Madva mam Buddha Bhava Samanvitaha. Krishna says, I am the source of all the material and spiritual worlds. For me the entire creation flows. The wise who know this perfectly engage in my devotional service and they worship me. Buddha Bhava Samanvidvaha. Their natural love for me is invoked. Uh, we all by nature love Krishna. Because he's unlimitedly beautiful, he's unlimitedly strong, he's unlimitedly merciful, he has unlimited in so many different ways. So naturally, the more we become conscious of Krishna, then the more we'll love Krishna. Uh, love for Krishna is already there in our heart. Nitya Siddha Krishna Prema Sarukabhanoi, Shravanadi Shuddhichite Korya Udhoi. Love for Krishna is eternally with us. Just like potentially in a match, there's fire. Simply you have to strike the match against the right uh, substance, and then the fire will come out in a blaze. So simply in our heart, love for Krishna is there. Simply we have to follow the process that Shurupa Goswami has outlined here in that end of the verse, Adal Shraddha, Adal Sarasanga. Simply, we have to follow the process. And then gradually, love for Krishna will be invoked. As we become, as Krishna reveals himself, then when we become more conscious of Krishna by his mercy, by the mercy of following the process, then naturally we will fall in love with Krishna or we'll become attracted to Krishna. Then we'll become absorbed in Krishna. Then we'll fall in love with Krishna and then our whole existence will be absorbed, it will be merged into Krishna's name, form, quality, and pastimes. So how to do that? So Krishna says in this verse, vita raga vayakrodha. Uh, there are certain things that are like clouds in our consciousness. Probably gave the example that he was, when he was traveling to America, he was on a ship and certain, certain times on the ocean, it becomes very cloudy. The fog comes in, they call it fog. So much fog that the ships on the ocean have to stop because if they don't stop, they might collide with each other because they can't see anything. Maybe nowadays they have radar, but at that time they had no radar. So they just stop and sound their horns so that no one crashes into them. Only when the sun came up with sufficient strength did the clouds go away, the fog go away, and then one could actually start traveling on the ocean again. Similarly in our consciousness is foggy. And what is that fog? Raga, as it says here, Vita, Raga, Vaya, Krodha. So that fog is Raga, attachment, Krodha, anger, and vitaragabha and fear. And Prabhupada mentions here in this verse, there are certain conceptions that keep that materialistic conception of attachment, the impersonalist fear of a personal spiritual conception of life and the frustration that arises out a void. These are material conceptions that when we have them, then we create. well, we do activities, which further entangle us in the material existence. Instead of developing bhava for Krishna, we're developing feelings and ideas surrounding materialistic conceptions of life or impersonalist conceptions of life. Vipaprabha in his mantra specifically said, he came here to deliver us from two things, materialism and impersonalism. So what is it? How do we become delivered? Or well, what is materialism? First of all, materialism principally is this attachment for illicit sex, meat eating, gambling, intoxication. That's it. Illicit sex, meat eating, gambling, and intoxication. This is the primary fog we have in our mind. Was probably said in one Bengali, There was one Bengali saying that if my eyes want to see it then why should I not see it? So this is the material concept of life. Let me gratify my senses. Why should I not gratify my senses? Now, also in the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna said yesam antikatam papam. Uh, This is called papam or sinful activity. Now we may not believe it's sinful activity. Matter of fact, Prabhupada gives the example of Lord Jetlin, Lord Jetlin, Marquis de Jetlin. He was the governor of Bengal. And Prabhupada was only a schoolboy when he came to visit. This governor came to visit his Scottish church's college. Later on, the Marquis went back to England. And one of Prabhupada's godbrothers went to England to preach, and he met the Marquis there, and the Marquis, cultured man, English man, Lord, he asked Brahma's godbrother, can you make me into a Brahmin? And then the godbrother said, of course, no problem. You just have to follow these four principles. No illicit sex, no gambling, no meat eating, no intoxication. And the Marquis said, impossible. Suppose that here's a learned man, a cultured man, and for him it's impossible to follow these principles. These are the same activities that the animals are engaged in. But humanity means, as Krishna says here, tapasya, controlling the senses, rather than serving the senses, being dictated by the senses, controlling them. But that's not possible without jnana without knowledge, unless one can understand who we actually are and who Krishna is, especially in this age. Previously, people may be able to perform tapasya, go through austerities, tapasya, brahmacharyena, samanacaya, divanacaya, Uh, spiritual life. Humanity begins with tapasya. It's not a question of just spiritual life. And Tapasya begins with brahmacharya, celibacy. Now people may may not like that idea, but that's a fact. Unless we can tolerate the urges of the senses, then we're simply servants of the senses. But we cannot do that, especially in this age. We cannot go into the lake and put ourselves up to the water in ice cold water and chant our rounds, trying to concentrate more on the Hare Krishna mantra. We could do that. Some people do that. Uh, we might die from the, from the cold, though. But well, at least we'll die in Krishna consciousness. and Probably that will be the best, the most we've ever concentrated on our realms. <laughs> but there's an easier process. Uh, that is, chanting Hare Krishna and following the process of devotional service. Like following the process of devotional service, as Rupa Goswami has given us, that in the beginning there's a little liking, and then we associate with the devotees. Now, association with devotees is very important because in the association of devotees, then we can hear about the glories of Krishna, that Krishna is not an ordinary person. Now, the first thing we have to understand is how Krishna is the controller of everything. Unless we can accept that Krishna is the controller of everything, he's the proprietor of everything, then we look around and we think, well, Krishna has his abode, perhaps, Goloka Vrindavan, and I have my little room. He has a big abode and I have a little one. But him and myself, we're not the same. He has a bigger abode, but you know, I have a little boat now and it'll get bigger gradually. We don't understand how Krishna is the, by one plenary portion of Krishna, going to the Brahma Samhita, and Mhita, andaya dhasta parmanu by one portion of a portion of a portion of Krishna, <coughs> then Krishna has expanded himself into every atom. That we're thinking it is my body, but it's actually Krishna's body. He's in every atom, even in our body. He's in our heart, giving us remembrance, knowledge, and forgetfulness of all living entities all over the universes, the unlimited universes. So Krishna is not some ordinary personality. He's the unlimited Supreme Person. Unless we can understand Krishna, if we can understand Krishna's glories, then, Buddha Bhava Saman Vidaha. Then, naturally, we'll become attracted to him. And naturally, our activities will also change. So, this is called jnana. And if we have this knowledge, then when our senses are demanding, now it's time to do this, now it's time to see this, now it's time to think this, you know, think of sense gratification, perform sense gratification feel about sense gratification, then we we'll realize that this is simply the illusory energy trying to allure me again, so that I'm being distracted from my actual relationship with Krishna. So this is a very important point, samudram uh, Apa pravishanti Yadva. Shastra scripture is telling us about Krishna, not only Krishna somewhere out in the spiritual world, you know, playing with the cowherd boys and the calves and the gopis. No, he's, the scripture is also telling us about Krishna in our own room, in our own heart, in the hearts of all of the entities, throughout society, everywhere. And how we can work in such a way as that our, uh, our activities become spiritually tapasya. Tapasya doesn't mean that we have to, as I said, we have to go undergo severe austerities as they did in previous ages, like Maharaj. Luckily, we don't have to eat a little kapitta fruit every third day for the first month. And then the second month, we can eat dry leaves falling from the tree. And then for the third month, we can drink a little water every ninth day. And then after that, we can take one breath of air every 12th day. We can't even imagine performing any austerity, which is close to that. If we have to fast on Janmasami, we're about to faint. We're praying to Krishna for the time to go quicker. So our tapasya is Chan Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. And if we learn how to pay attention, because what is our association with the devotees, what are we trying to actually achieve by hearing our classes and associating with the devotees, how to become more enthusiastic in whatever we're doing for Krishna, and how to do it with more concentration and steadiness, how to focus our attention and give our love to Krishna. That's all we're trying to learn. We don't have to learn a million details about Krishna's pastimes. We don't have to learn every, you know, a hundred verses every day. We don't have to, we just have to learn how to become more sincere in devotional service, how to become more steady, how to become more enthusiastic, how to focus our attention and give our love to Krishna more. Or in other words, how to do our service, whatever we're doing, whatever service we're doing for Krishna with more care and attention. Krishna, he's not indifferent. All he's waiting for us is to do something to please him. And even more important than trying to please him directly is to try to please his devotee, because if the devotee is pleased by what we're doing, then Krishna becomes obligated to fulfill our desires, especially for spiritual advancement, because Krishna is very receptive to his devotees. So whatever his devotees are desiring, Krishna reciprocates with them. If they're well-wishers of ourselves, then Krishna will automatically or naturally reciprocate and fulfill our desires for spiritual advancement. So especially important is, serve, is ser- become a servant of the servant of the servant of Krishna and try to perform this tapasya of chanting Hare Krishna and at the same time try to tell others about Krishna try to assist Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission in spreading Krishna consciousness so that's tapasya in order to do that we have to control our minds Prabhupada was especially appreciative of the devotees would go out in all kinds of austere conditions, cold weather, rain, whatever it might be, and try to distribute transcendental literature. Because right now we have a Prabhupada marathon. And of course, there's other conditions such as this lockdown, which is pretty across the world, which makes sometimes it's difficult, as if it wasn't difficult enough to go out and distribute Prabhupada's books makes it even more difficult. But still, whatever we can do in distributing Krishna consciousness to others, Krishna will appreciate. Even if we are not distributing books, but at least whoever we meet, if we think about how we can help them understand Krishna's glories, so they can develop bhava for Krishna, some appreciation for Krishna, then Krishna will be very pleased with us. So this deposit is meant for human beings. We cannot expect that the animals are going to go out with a book bag and distribute Prabhupada's books. We can't expect that persons who are engaged in sinful activities will become inspired to spread this Krishna consciousness movement. We have to be, it's up to the human beings who have some humanity to understand this necessity of becoming conscious of Krishna through this tapasya that Prabhupada has given us. And Prabhupada said, what kind of tapasya is? What is the big austerity we're doing? Dancing, chanting, and feasting. If it's such a great thing, it's too difficult to dance, chant, and feast, then it's very difficult to find any easier process. But this will bring us to the platform of becoming into the platform of humanity, And from there, our natural love for Krishna can be developed. That my business is that I'm a spiritual soul and my business is to serve Krishna. So we only have two things we have to ask in this life. What is our business and how's business? Very simple. Throughout the day we can ask, what is my business and how's my business? That will make life very easy. So by force, we cannot train people to refrain from these sinful activities. Nowadays, there are so many, as Krishna says, or Prabhupada points out in the Bhagavad Gita in his purport to that verse, chapter seven, verse number 28, yesham antikatam papam, that the beginning of religious life is people have to follow these regular principles, pious life or one has to follow religious life. Religious life means a cleanliness, mercy, truthfulness and austerity, which are destroyed by illicit sex, gambling, meat eating and intoxication. But if people can be convinced to engage in Krishna service, which is why we're going out and meeting people, that's what our outreach is for, so that people can come to our programs And there, gradually in the association of devotees, understand the necessity to chant Hare Krishna. Read Prabhupada's books, perhaps when they're more advanced, worship deities, or at least a picture in their home. Learn how to hear from the devotees and serve them and try to make their atmosphere in their home spiritual by having a program, hopefully with their family in the morning they can get together and chant Hare Krishna together, they can hear Srimad Bhagavatam, they can offer their food to the deity, and that way the family could engage with each other in the process of pure devotional service. If they could do that, then they can get a higher taste in relationships, especially amongst themselves or with others. And by that higher taste, gradually the taste for materialistic activity which is based on, instead of love, it's based on exploitation. Actually, everyone's afraid of death in the material world, according to Simad Bhagavatam. And because we're afraid of death, we're trying to exploit each other in order to have each other, to to take advantage of each other so we can live longer in this material world, in this body. But if we develop love for Krishna, we, we develop devotional service in, in relation to others, then this anxiety over death, this anxiety over my future will gradually diminish, and we'll be able to have more loving relationships with each other based upon pure devotional service. And that way we can get a higher taste, and if we get a higher taste, then the lower taste for materialistic sense gratification will gradually diminish. So, in this age, we don't have to think of another process. We have to develop simply faith in our in a process we have already. We don't have to figure out something new is already been given to us that probably made our society quite simple and that we can Every day, as much as possible, get up, chant Hare Krishna, see the deities, hear Śrīmad-Bhāgavatam, Bhagavad-Gītā, try to hear and chant in the association of devotees about Krishna's glories, try to serve the devotees, and try to make our atmosphere spiritual, especially by putting our consciousness upon Krishna and try to do our whatever we're doing with care and attention to please Krishna. Then the moral experience we have in how wonderful Krishna is, how wonderful Krishna's devotees are, then the moral will become interested in also giving Krishna to others. Because everyone, for everyone, Krishna is their dear most friend, their dear most well-wisher. Whether it's trying to find happiness in this material world in a place where there is no happiness. People are just making mental constructions of what happiness is. They think happiness is if I can avoid misery. If my tooth aches and I can go to the dentist and have it repaired, then I consider myself to be in bliss. And if I, what I'm hankering for, if I finally get it and the anxiety of hankering goes away, then I consider myself to be in in great happiness. Of course, if I never had the hankering in the first place, I would have been happier. I wouldn't have had to gone through the whole process of trying to get what I probably didn't even need. And when I get what I didn't even need and I lose it, then I lament, oh, I, I had it and I lost it. Or if I get it and I don't like it, then I lament, oh, I worked so hard to get this and I don't even like it. It's like nowadays children, they get so many toys. Because sometimes when I go to pro- programs, you go into their house and there's two little children running around and they have a whole room full of toys and half the toys are broken and half the practically none of them they use they were hankering for the toys and when they got them they didn't like them anymore so they broke them the only time they become attached to the toy is when their sister or brother wants the toy then suddenly they want it they're attracted to it again, because someone else wants it. So this type of happiness is not the ultimate happiness of life. That people don't know, Vishnu. They don't know how great a, a reservoir of pleasure Krishna is. They don't know how wonderful and how kind Krishna is, how affectionate Krishna is to his devotees. And because they don't know that, therefore they're hankering for affection in some limited way, in some limited object. But if one can take to the process of Krishna consciousness, and when Krishna is pleased with us and he shows us how affectionate he is, then the result is that we become unlimitedly attracted to Krishna. Then we can understand what it means that Krishna is our dear most friend. In any case, Krishna is so kind that even in the process of trying to become Krishna conscious, Krishna will encourage us in the right direction, to go in the right direction. And what is that right direction? Bhakti uh, vyaktir anitra trika eka kala To get that higher taste, just like when one eats a meal, that with every bite, that naturally, if the food is proper, one feels an alleviation of hunger. One feels growing strength. One feels a detachment from hunger. So similarly, if we're actually serious about our chanting our rounds, if we're actually serious about reading Prabhupada's books, if we actually work with the deities properly, if especially we have proper relationships with other devotees, not only when we're with them, course, it's important to have nice relation with the devotees when we're with them. But even mentally, we have to have the right attitude. And what is that attitude? We have to avoid aparad. We know there are 10 offenses. One of the aparads is the blessing of the devotees who have dedicated their lives in the propagation of the holy name of the Lord. So this aparad comes from the word apa against and Srimati Radharani. Uh, we have to have the same mood that Srimati Radharani has. Uh, in order to understand the mood of Shrimati Radharani, we have to understand the mood of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came, Lord Nityananda came, the Panchatattva came to help everyone. Bhaja, 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 Chaitanya we have everyone has to worship Chaitanya Nitya. And what is them? What do they come? Parama Karuna, Paudvijana Nitya Gora Chandra. Are they the most merciful? Even when Jagai Madai attacked Lord Nityananda, Lord Nityananda, even he was hit on the head with a clay pot and he was bleeding. Still, he simply requested them to chant Hare Krishna. Even when Chaitanya Maharu in great anger came to kill Jagai and Madhai because they had attacked his dear most Lord Nityananda, still Lord Nityananda told Lord Chaitanya that, I believe it was Madhai or Jagai, had, had actually tried to prevent his brother from attacking Lord Nityananda. So Lord, Lord Chaitanya was so pleased with Jagai that he embraced him and he was in ecstasy, but still the Suta Sanchakra Chakra was hovering around, about to kill Madhai, until Madhai fell at the lotus feet of Nityai, and asked for forgiveness. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is coming in this age, because all of us, at best, were jagai and Madais. Jagai and madhai had one good qualification. <clears throat> Frankly speaking, they never blaspheme the devotees. And by Lord Nityananda's mercy, they got the opportunity to chant Hare Krishna and take shelter with Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we also have to develop that same mentality. There are so many devotees even. A lot of times nowadays, we're not so much into outreach. Most of us are into You know, our association is with the devotees in the temple or our friends who are devotees. So we have to be especially careful that we have the right attitude towards the devotees. We have to understand that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who is the man of Shi, Krishna Chaitanya, Radha Krishna Nahi Anya, that everywhere he looks, he wants to give mercy. He doesn't think that this is my friend. This is my enemy. He simply thinks that this is the object of my mercy. So Lord Rupa Goswami has told us that in our relationship with the devotees, the minimum attitude that we have to have is we have to respect them within our mind. We have to become their well-wisher, even if they're not our well-wisher, even if they seem to be deviating from the process that Prabhupada has given us, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has given us, even if they don't seem to understand very well what the process is, even if they don't follow very strictly, still, at least within our mind, we have to respect them because we have to be the well-wisher of them, hoping that they make some advancement in Krishna consciousness. And we should, at least within our mind, be trying to encourage that rather than criticize them, rather than to have a negative attitude towards them. Uh, In this this age of Kali, there's enough people criticizing. Even if we don't criticize someone, don't worry, someone will come along and criticize them. We don't have to (laughs) be concerned that this person won't be criticized or this devotee won't be criticized. The only what's lacking in Kali Yuga is prema, is bhava, is love for Krishna, love for the devotees. Uh, That's the only thing that will actually transfer transfer or transform this world is that if we inject the process of Krishna consciousness which invokes love. So there's some love appreciation, there's some uh, desire to assist the devotees within our hearts, uh, that will make a change in Kali Yuga, criticizing, uh, feeling, negative against the devotees whatever it's not going to help us and it's not going to help the devotee it won't help anything but if we want to make a positive change in this world then we also have to follow the process and the process culminates that culminates but will bring us to the platform of at least appreciating the devotees and if we can do that then our, our appreciation for the process of devotional service will also increase So this is part of our Krishna consciousness, to see how Krishna is manifested everywhere, especially he's manifested in the form of the devotees. When we see a devotee performing devotional service, we should understand that this is actually the internal energy of Krishna doing the service, in spite of our attachment to material consciousness, in spite of our narthas, our ignorance, the cloud that we're under of material life. Still, somehow or another, we or anyone else can perform devotional activities, then it means that we're actually working under the internal energy to a greater or lesser extent. So if there's a little spark of devotion within someone, we shouldn't try to put it out. We should try to fan it. And if we try to fan it, then Krishna will be merciful to us. We act as his instrument to fan that spark of devotion and he'll, within our heart, O fan art our, our spark of devotion, so one day it'll come out as a blazing fire. So again the verse says, Vita Raga Manmayama Mupakshitya, Bahava Gana Tapasa, Agata. Being free from attachment, fear, and anger, being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me, many, many persons of the past became purified by knowledge of me, and thus they all attained transcendental love from it. So again, we want to develop bhava, or love for Krishna. Part of that process, the main part of it, is we have to find out how great Krishna is, how wonderful Krishna is, how attractive he is. Then that will inspire us to perform the tapasya, especially following these four of the principles, chanting 16 rounds of the tension, and hopefully with some devotion. And Going through the dipasya of tolerating our minds and not accepting every nonsense thought that our mind comes through. Except try to find some accept de- the devotional thoughts, the ins- devotional inspirations coming from higher devotees, accept those as real, and accept the other thoughts as simply products of the foggy mind, my foggy consciousness, trying to distract me from my real purpose of life. The moral, as soon as we accept the real thoughts, the real state of consciousness that we're supposed to be in, immediately Krishna will reciprocate with us. He'll become pleased with us. It does require great tapasya. It simply requires hearing and seeing, hearing the right ideas from the right source about Krishna and Krishna consciousness, doing the right activities. And when Krishna sees that, then he'll inspire us, he'll purify us, and gradually we'll come to the actual natural state of our original Krishna consciousness. So, so I'll stop there for now. Any questions or comments? We look in the chat or something.
1: Hare Krishna, dear
0: Kumaraj. Hare Krishna, uh, Hare Krishna. Thank you so much for the nice class, Kumaraj. I was thinking, um, can you maybe give a few examples about mental speculation? Mental speculation—to think that every, there's anything besides Krishna—is called mental speculation. As Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, "The vishyam Bhumsam." that as soon as we forget our relation with Krishna, as soon as we become bored and want to find some happiness somewhere, as soon as we start thinking, what will make me happy? then immediately we look around and we try to see what object in this world will actually satisfy me. That's called mental speculation. Of course, we don't even have to do that. We have so many things going through our mind. You know, she loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. That's also mental speculation. So many. So the actual, the actual standard is that what does Krishna? What what what, does, what situation I'm in right now? How are things here related to Krishna? And what does Krishna want me to do with the energies that he's provided me with? And when I do those activities under the guidance of Guru Sadhu and Shastra, then how should I try to do it with care and attention to please Krishna? The more we're absorbed in those three things, understanding how Krishna has arranged my life and how what energies he's giving me for his service. And when I meditate and I inquire from Guru Sadh and Shastra how to utilize these energies, and when I do that to try to please Krishna with care and attention perform my service, that means my mental speculation is going away. That means that Krishna spontaneously I remember Krishna. And when I see remember Krishna, then I can see how everyone and everything is related to Krishna, and then there'll be no more mental speculation. Mm.
1: Thank you so right. Thank, Thank, Thank you. Thank you. Anything else? Harikishabur <laughs> Mharash. Anna Bolhinov from Tula have a question. I have a question for Guru Maharaj. How much psychology is needed by devotees? Sometimes it seems to me that some of the problems in the relationships of devotees are due to the fact that they neglect psychology. At the same time, some devotees, psychologists are too worried about it. Is it possible to improve your Character with the help of psychological training, and is it worth trying to do it? Can this be done for Krishna? Who asked the question? Anna, you please, raise your hand show guru so he can see did you ask? Hari Krishna, please accept my
0: obeisances. What kind of psychology are you talking about?
1: <clears throat>
0: that was in college, in psychology. So yes. there are unlimited numbers of psychology from experimental psychology, which I studied. It was, co- which was called behavioral modification. B.S. Skinner, to developmental psychology, clinical psychology, to <coughs> many different varieties of psychology. But ultimately, Christian conscious psychology in Bhagavad Gita is the most helpful for overcoming our problems. For instance, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, A man must elevate himself by his own mind, not degrade himself. The mind is the friend of the conditioned soul and his enemy as well. So to elevate the mind, we have to put it on Krishna. Now, of course, so if one is in the mode of ignorance, if he's trying to, Come to the platform of passion, that's a kind of elevation also, or for one who's in passion, he tries to come to goodness, that's certainly elevation. But in this age, it's not very practical. People are so much absorbed in ignorance and passion that it won't be possible by simply some austerity or some psychology, whatever, elevate themselves to goodness, by which they can understand that they're not their body. If one does not understand that he's not their body, all this psychology is like trying to teach an animal how to control their mind. An animal, you can give him all kinds of good advice, but he'll still remain an animal. So unless one can understand that we're eternal spiritual souls, and that our business is to engage our body, mind, and words in Krishna's service, then all the psychology is compared to in the Shrimad Bhagavatam, that is yasti bhakti bhagavata kincana savaranastatrasamastitey sura harabhatasy kutama ha gunan mano ritey nasti That the idea is, if one is trying to do the right thing in the material world, and many people are trying to do the right thing. But they don't know what the right thing is. They want to control their minds. They want to be nice to people, but they don't know who they are. They don't know who people are. They don't even know who the animals are. They don't know really anything. They're in ignorance. And therefore they may put on some good manners. They may put the spoon and the fork in the right place on the table. But after all, they're hovering on the mental platform because they're in ignorance. And after some time when the situation becomes stressful, then their animalistic propensities will manifest themselves. Prabhupada gives the example of if you put a dog on a throne, you may put him a crown and, a, and the dog may be you know, honored as a king, but when he sees a bone on the ground, he'll jump for it. So unless one is actually trained up in Krishna consciousness to fix the mind upon Krishna, to see everyone and everything in relation to Krishna, understand how the material nature is actually working, uh, that kind of psychology may be help, will be helpful. These other kinds of psychology, especially in this age, may temporarily bring people from restraining, unrestrictedly from gratifying their senses, but generally it proves to be a failure in the long run. And at least when I went to college, psychology was not geared towards restraining people from sense gratification. Psychology was a utilized as a support to justify sense gratification. Because psychology, at least the one I studied, reduced everyone to an animal. It was simply getting stimuli and giving responses accordingly. And therefore it was used to justify unrestricted, un- uh, considered sense gratification—that you're just an animal when you see the senses, and you simply try to obtain them to to, gra- to gratify your senses, or as they say, if it feels good, then do it. Uh, therefore, this psychology, when psychology was introduced to the universities, in general, because there are types of psychology which are a little bit more spiritually friendly, but for the majority of the Psychologies which are introduced, they're more or less justifications for sense gratification and mental speculation, and not very helpful. On the other hand, Bhagavad Gita has the topmost psychology. And if one can understand the psychology of Bhagavad Gita, then one can actually put the mind in the right place, the activities in the right place, one's understanding in the right place, one's determination in the right place, so that one can get out of the bodily concept of life and realize Krishna is the most attractive supreme person who we have an eternal relationship with. Did you study psychology? Are you studying psychology? <laughs> Good, all right. Anything else? Hare <laughs>
1: Agni Prabhu, you're speaking? No, no, look at yes. uh, Maharaj, can you elaborate more on the apparatus
0: practical advice, how to be more aware, because this is you know, the greatest problem we're uh, against our progress of developing Krishna prema. Well the most essential thing is go to the start go to programs, have programs where we're chanting Hare Krishna, you're hearing Śrīmad Bhagavatam, where you're associating with the devotees, we're worshiping the deities, and then try to fix our mind on Krishna in these programs. Especially when the devotees are chanting, try to listen to them. If We'll see that it's not so easy when someone's chanting to actually listen to them without speculating. It's a great austerity, it actually requires some humility in order to hear someone else and what to speak of trying to, of actually appreciating the fact that they're chanting Hare Krishna to Krishna and seeing them as a devotee. So we can learn how to chant to Krishna and then appreciate how others are chanting and then we can actually begin to see them as devotees of Krishna. And lo and behold, if we actually take pleasure in hearing them then we'll actually become not only tolerating the devotees, but we'll actually develop appreciation for them. So rather than try to simply restrain our minds from negative thoughts about others, we should try to serve them, serve Krishna in their association, and that way we'll develop some appreciation for them. And instead of having negative thoughts, we'll have positive thoughts about them when we see them in relation to Krishna. In any case, without our own personal practice of Krishna consciousness, it's not possible to avoid any kind of operat. Without regular sadhana, it's practically impossible to make any advance in the devotional service. Instead, our past desires and habits and ideas will simply manifest themselves and the things that we're most attracted to at that particular moment is what we become attached to. So we have our conditioned nature Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is giving us an opportunity to transcend it by simply practice of the sadhana bhakti and hopefully when we're inspired by sadhana bhakti to try to do something in the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Then all these nonsensical ideas and thoughts, gradually Krishna will give us the intelligence to understand that they are nonsensical and that we're really not, we don't need them. They're actually just burdens on us and are keeping us from going back to the spiritual world. Or at least, what to speak of going back to the spiritual world, just having loving relationships with the devotees that we're, we're coming in contact with. And what to speak of loving relationships, at least have positive interactions that are inspiring with others. If we interact with others and we have negative thoughts about them, we're criticizing them. Now, criticizing is not wrong in the sense that we shouldn't be blind. To the faults of others because actually what we're doing is generally when we're seeing the faults of others, we're also seeing our own faults and we, we have faults and therefore it's natural for us to see the faults in others. But we shouldn't see them as the primary manifestation of the soul. The soul is something different. What we're seeing is the three modes of material nature, how they're influencing the soul. If you find your friend in jail, (laughs) the best thing to do is try to get him out of jail and simply stand on the other side of the the jail cell and criticize them for being in jail. If you can get them out of jail, then get them out of jail. So when we see devotees conditioned by the modes of material nature, instead of criticizing that they're conditioned by the modes of material nature as if we're completely free, instead we should think about how we can help them get out of these modes of material nature and as soon as we think like that, then Krishna will give us the intelligence how we ourselves can actually get out of the modes of material nature. As a matter of fact, as soon as we think like that, we're actually being freed from the modes of material nature. So we have to develop the same vision, the same feeling, the same understanding that Krishna has towards others. And if we do that, then at least in our relation with others, it will become more and more pleasing. And we'll be happy to be in the association of devotees. Matter of fact, we won't be able to live without the association of devotees. Anything else? No, <clears throat>
1: yeah. yeah. mm-hmm. oh, I can speak in. Uh, para Maharas Praanda Pradananda Swami. Yes. Maharas. Uh Maharas le puedo hablar in Spanish. Por supuesto. Ya. Yeah. Le digo, ¿en qué momento entonces...? Oh,
0: uh, hablar ¿cómo? un poco, entonces, en esta manera yo puedo traducir. Oh, ya, yeah, ya, yeah, ya. Yeah. No muchas uh-huh. frases, simplemente una, una frase yo traduciré. Oh, ya,
1: yeah. ya. Yeah. ¿En, ¿En qué momento entonces uno puede eh, estar correcto en, de, en, de, en decir, esta, esta persona me ayuda o no me ayuda en mi vida espiritual? Si es algo incorrecto, pensar de esa manera, evitar la asociación o cuando tomarla, algo así.
0: In, in what moment can we understand that someone is helping us, not helping us advance in spiritual life? Yeah, yeah everyone is helping us in spiritual life. In, in yeah, inglés? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Everyone is helping us in spiritual life. We may yeah. not realize it, but those who are praising us or even assisting us, it's certainly helping us in spiritual life and encouraging us. And those who are criticizing us, those who are seemingly impeding us, are also representatives of Krishna, to teach us something. So what, he's trying to, what Krishna is trying to teach us may take some intelligence, but we shouldn't see that so anyone is acting outside of Krishna's desire. Not a blade of grass moves without Krishna's desire. That doesn't mean we should be naive, and we should accept everyone on the same level, because not everyone is on the same level. But we shouldn't think anyone is acting outside of Krishna's influence. Now, if someone is criticizing us, and, you know, or if someone is impeding, impeding our devotional service, we shouldn't think that this is Krishna's arrangement or Krishna's mercy. But we'll have to pray to Krishna what to do under those circumstances, so that our devotional service does not become impeded. In the neck of devotion, for instance, it is said that if someone is found to be blaspheming the devotees or Krishna, then we have certain, op- we have certain options. It's like Shishupal was blaspheming Krishna in the assembly of the Rajasuya sacrifice. So the devotees, they had certain options. Some of them they left covering their ears because they couldn't do anything. Others stood up, like Sahadev and Bhima and others, with their swords ready to attack Shishupal. And others supported Shishupal, not the devotees, but the non-devotees. In any case, Krishna took his Susan Chakra and and cut off Shishupal's head, so there was no problem anymore. But in the Act of Devotion, it says that someone is found blasting the devotee or Krishna, then we should either be so expert to defeat them by logical arguments. If we can't do that, then we should go away as soon as possible. If we can't do that, then we should cut out the person's tongue and then take our own life. Mm -hmm. Now, the last one is not a good option for Kali Yuga. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, the street would be covered with tongues we'd have a lot of dead devotees along with the tongues on the street. <laughs> and generally our options are either defeating the person by logical arguments or going away. Yeah. Now there are many, uh, similarly there are other circumstances but that requires some intelligence, how to properly engage in devotional service in, in spite of the fact that were met with obstacles and criticism. but it had to do in such a way as it's actually following Krishna and his pure devotees' instructions so that we remain a servant of Krishna's servants in any circumstance. Okay, I think we're gonna stop here. Thank you, Maras. I can see so many devotees here today. And we wish you a uh, Hare Krishna. We, met, we wish you a Merry Krishna. And a happy Friday. Hare Krishna, she will So, very Krishna
1: dear Guru Maharaj. and De bola.